Hello, and welcome to Do the Right Thing, your weekly writing prompt podcast. I'm Alexandra. And I'm Jarvis. Jarvis and I are aspiring writers who never actually sit down and take the time to write. As Actamundo, so we issue a challenge. Each week we sit down and write a complete short story using three or four randomly generated words. Then we come on the podcast, we read the story sent in by you wonderful listeners, and then we talk about the rest of them. Exactly. We're simply here to help you do the right thing. A doof media, media production. production. Um, I'm sitting on the floor, just for the record. Just uh, for, uh, well, actually, I'm not sitting. I'm lying down, sort of like, um, like, like a what? French girl? Yeah, yeah. You know, reclining, uh, one leg in the air, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, just a very casual pose because I, I'm moving. So there's not really a, a good place for me to do normal recording. Mm. But I'm glad that I'm finally moving in this next week. It's finally happening. So, yes, and you have cool. a big new house with better internet. So yeah, it will li- literally be, I think, twenty times better. Uh, depending on when I first get in there, uh, when I'm the only one using the internet, it'll actually be uh, two hundred times better. Oh. But then it'll probably get split up among amongst de- devices and stuff. But yeah, um, my my connection here at this old house was literally <laughs> when I was trying to download something. Um, and this is the middle of the night, so no one else is, like, actively using it, but, um, I guess technically other devices are plugged in, but it was five megabits per second. Five. Just five. (laughs) Just five whole megabits. Um, (laughs) which is really, really bad when it comes to internet. Yeah, you could, you could download, like, a game in, like, two days. Yeah, most things were, like, many hours, even for Mm. small things. So, (laughs) uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited to get one that will be one gigabyte per second, which is a rather large improvement. So That's amazing. And also, you'll, hey, as soon as you get this, I better see you streaming 24-7. Exactly. I I think it's only fair that in return, um, you know, after being throttled this whole time, that I just, like, wastefully stream things, just sort of to shake my fist at the, um, Uh at the utility companies so now now you do know they're gonna follow you again after you've been in this place for about six months right that's probably true but um by then i will have a plan to uh burn down their headquarters so okay uh, destroy internet exactly uh turnabout's fair play right i'll throttle them back literally Mm. with my hands with my (laughs) cold with my bare hands throttle Mm -hmm. them around their necks anyway this is not a threat this was a it's a satirical podcast. Let's get into um, what we actually do here. Yes, that is a good idea. So the words uh, that our wonderful listeners use this week to create their great stories are scan, net, thoughtful, and burial. So yeah, really great stories. And we did get some really uh, good stories th- this week, and I'm really excited to get into them. Yeah, they were really great stories, and we got some good stories. Yes, yes, we uh, did. Very eloquently put, Jarvis. Thank you. I'm, I'm a wordsmith, they say. Yep, that's why we do this podcast, because we're wordsmiths. Um, Okay, (laughs) Uh, what's the story that we're going to be reading this week? Yeah, so the story we are going to be reading this week is by Ghost Pac-Man 4, with To the Desert. Um, Let's just get into it. Hekadeka. This is Ghost Pac-Man 4's story, To the Desert. Wind blew past me, and it carried grains of sand aloft with it. Bags tied to the outer perimeter thrashed from it a distance in front of me. The wind was humid and gritty, but I closed my eyes and took it in, enjoying the sensation for one last time 
even as dirt found its way onto my fresh, wet wounds. It ended a moment later and allowed the smell of smoke to come back from behind me. It singed my nose even when I was already so far from the burning city. I continued to limp. My vision was hazy. From the heat, the humidity, the delirious state I was in, sweat, and quite possibly from tears. I don't know how long it took me before I realized the rags that were in front of me were not tied to the outer perimeter. They were clothing on people. I kept limping as they stared on, silent. But for another gust that came from behind, prickling my wounds with smoke and particles. I couldn't help but I couldn't help but cough. A late band of reinforcements after they had caught onto my plan, but it was too late, in more ways than one. The sand was fine, my foot sinking with each step, each movement threatening to turn my limp plodding into a fall. There was no real reason for me to keep going as I had no destination. No. I do, I corrected myself. It was right in front of me. It felt like an eternity before I made to the figures before me, and yet it came so surprisingly quick that I almost yearned for more time. I let my last step get stuck and fell to my knees in front of them. Why? The voice came from one of them. Almost not a question but a statement of disbelief. What were you thinking? I scanned the people before me and my vision was even worse than before. I considered their words. Since I came to my final decision this morning, I hadn't thought any further. It had been nothing but action since then. A march to a goal I knew needed to be accomplished. Only now that it was done could I be thoughtful. Maybe before then. Maybe right now. What am I thinking right now? It had to be done. Otherwise, there's no future. We had peace. We had hope. It was false, I rasped. A trembling breath left someone's mouth. Soldiers without a drive or purpose. They just stood there. So, so how is it then? A voice from my left came. How does being the first person to die in a century feel? What's it like? I wondered if it was meant to be a stinging remark. I couldn't guess. I looked up at the cloudy yellow sky, streaked with black smoke and closed my eyes. Would I get a burial? It feels like it was all leading up to this. Somehow. The wide, vast world collapses and it becomes so narrow, so very small. I guess you lot would consider that an inflated sense of self-importance. Another moment of silence unknowing silence. I 
My voice hitched. I tried to clear it and began coughing instead. It took me several long moments to stop. I... My voice quavered. I felt like I've been looking for something for so long, I managed. There was something then, deep, deep within. Every now and then I scratched its surface, getting a glimpse of myself, my true self, but only glimpses. I realized my body was numb. Another errant pass of wind provided a small push. Even with how tiny the force was, I couldn't resist it. I fell to my side, and dull pain radiated throughout my body. There was the grinding sound of their feet shifting in the sand, almost coming to help me, but nothing in the end. One of my eyelids was held open by the sand my face fell into, but I couldn't see anymore. I always wondered, wondered how I would react in the moment, what would happen at that last second when there was nothing to hold me back. In a way, I wanted to bear witness to myself, to judge myself, to look upon the person that's been behind me every step of the way until this moment. I wheezed for breath and I struggled. Sand and grit got in and made me cough as the numbness reached my head. Things began to fade, despite me not being able to see anymore. I just wanted an answer. No matter how disappointing, how how incomplete it might end up being, that last moment will be it. It'll be my, my truth. It came, slowly, yet surprisingly. All right, all right. So yeah, this is a really strong story. Uh, I really do love the imagery in the beginning, how it perfectly sets up this heat and just how this sand is just hitting your your face and it does paint a really nice picture of this sort of vast humid nothingness which i think is you know a really great lead into this sort of abstract story that that we get following um i think the back and forth between this this main character and this disembodied voice is uh really nice you know they're both characterized very well um, and yeah, we, I just feel that the, the majority of the story is, yeah, that, that sort of back and forth. And I think it, it's really well put and it does sort of give us a deeper understanding on the possibilities of why that this person is here and like what, what they are thinking within these, these moments. So yeah, I think that this story really does hit the, uh, sensory that we're supposed to feel within this scene on the head. I think that really does carry it through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so it seems to me that it's basically what happens here is um, there's sort of like this immortal or city of immortals, uh, maybe some sort of like implied paradise. Yeah. Um, And this person has sort of decided to end it um, in some way, um, burning down that city 
uh, or otherwise destroying it, forcing everyone in there to have to move on from this peaceful place that is actually like false and not actually great. Um, that the only way to move on is to burn down um, this thing that is acceptable but not great. Um, which I'm, I think I'm like reading into it a bit, but I think this is sort of what it implies. And uh, as a result, this immortal um, also dies, and they describe how um, what it's like to die, and sort of it seems to imply um, that at least for this uh, character, that they had been without death for so long that they sort mm-hmm. of like longed for it, um, that it's like necessary for them to have a worthwhile existence. Um, which is a, an interesting uh, sort of twist on the normal description I, I, I hear of death, which is that it like doesn't matter. That it is very much like a like a moment that the moment itself sort of feels arbitrary and meaningless. But it seems like this creature that has been like deprived of death—that's mm, what it longs um, for. Yeah, has a different perspective that actually <clears throat> it means a lot more that this would be a final moment, even if like those final moments are sort of arbitrary yeah and and yeah i think that's like a really strong point here you know like what is the purpose of living a long life if there is not an end you know what is the purpose of reading a book or watching a a movie if it doesn't end you know the ending to a chapter uh makes the chapter what it is a chapter within itself so yeah i thought that that was a really nice uh concept within the story yeah, I thought it was a cool exploration of that. Um, the disembodied voices, as you described, I think they're just other people in that city. Um, I think maybe that they know who this character is. They have some yes. sort of prior relationship. I think just a little bit more... I, I like that it's a bit vague, um, yes. but just a little bit more description of them, I think, would have been good, um, especially once we get closer, because they are described for a moment that they are like um, these beings in rags, right? So if we we just, when we get to them, we're like, there was four of them, or there was a whole crowd of them, or whatever, you know, set us some numbers, and um, they were robed. I think that's almost entirely what I would need, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Because then the character falls to their knees, and we're we're not really looking at them, or falls over, not to their knees. Um, And we can imagine them speaking, but they was just a little bit um, not described enough, but... Uh, yeah, <clears throat> I think it wouldn't take much to to make that th- that sort of vague description work. Mm-hmm. I mean, like even within a story that does sort of lean on the arbitrary when it comes to describing the the thoughts of this main character and the overall de- description, definitely having those very tangible moments is what keeps an audience in engaged. You know, like whether it's a small movement or just, you know, basically letting us know uh, more details on a scene can really keep us there instead of a piece like this feeling floaty, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's pretty close to being grounded enough. It just needs a little bit more tethering, I think, mm-hmm. um, with that. Um, especially as we get to the end, we sort of like really get into um, the character's thoughts and sort of retreat back into their body, basically, which which I like is that they're... You know, they're describing how their body is numb. They fall over. And I, as you described, like, the, the senses um, are described really well of how um, they sort of hit against the ground. There's, like, sand in their face holding open their eyes, but they can't see. Um, 
and they're struggling with the sand and grit. I think there's something about sand and grit um, <laughs> that is really, really good at, at invoking that those feelings. There's just something mm-hmm. about those textures um, that I think could come across really easily. And you have this at the beginning, too. Um, with the, I mean, the very opening with the wind blew past me and it carried grains of soft, uh, grains of soft, grains of sand aloft <laughs> with it, <laughs> um, and that wind r- crashing into the the, the character's face, um, mm-hmm. and, and I like that. That sort of implies a sort of um, uncomfortableness and harshness of of reality, and sort of as the yeah, a character dies that sort of lifts away mm-hmm. yeah definitely definitely um but all right i mean yeah really great story to uh ghost ghost pac-man 4 i think you gave us some really great imagery and yeah the only the only thing that i think could could improve this story is just making sure that the audience has all of those bits that that they need to truly understand what is happening but overall fantastic job mm-hmm. I, I thought it was a cool exploration i wouldn't minded i wouldn't have minded a little bit more um, elaboration on what uh, this character has done, particularly mm-hmm. like how it led to their own impending Demise, death. Yeah. Um, obviously, we don't need to know the mechanics of it, right? We don't need to know that they did an explosion or whatever, <laughs> um, and that burned them. They but did like, a big boom. Yeah, just a bit more understanding of like, you know, they are in this desert. Um, is what comes after is that they're all going to just wander um, around in that desert? Is that and that's preferable to this um, false peace. Uh, in what ways? Um, like, I, I really do like that. That is uh, the the reasoning for the character. I just want to know a little bit more of what they mean by that and how that is correct. Um, mm-hmm. And whether you know the people that actually live in that city do agree or not. I, I think they do on some deeper level. I think that's sort of the implication. But I just want to yeah see a little bit more. But, um, yeah, I, I like the sort of exploration, and I like the fact that it happens in, in the aftermath. I think that's cool, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really great setting. Uh, well, all right, time to move on into our listener-submitted story section. Um, uh, that's right. All right, yeah. who are we reading this week? Yes, so the stories we, were, we will be talking about this week are by Matt Said Words, Nick You, Mora Didamail, and Yishiram. You sure? Uh, yeah, new new writer. Thanks for yeah. joining us. Thank you so much. Of course. Uh, well, let's get so, into it. Yeah. So the first story we are going to be talking about this week is by Matt Said Words with Surinos. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I think it might. I'm not sure if it's K or Sir because it's a, a C, but like Sir Nunnos, I think. Sir I definitely Nunnos. when I first when I read it all the way through, I was pronouncing it definitely wrong in my head. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember what, but. Uh-huh. Anyway, th- this also there is there is a content warning for suicide. Yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll keep that description a little vague, but basically, um, so the story has uh, a father Jacob and his son Paul, which is this is totally an aside, but like biblical for some reason those names like are words like like if I think of a Paul, it's going to be yeah. like an older person, and if I think of a Jacob, it's going to be a, a, like a kid. For some kid, reason, yeah. So uh, there was like Even a moment where I was like a little Jacob confused on who's who, but too. it's it's just because of my pre-existing notions, and I have no idea where they came from. So I mean, um, it makes sense. Paul is like an older man's name, a little like, bit, yeah. Although, like, 
uh, like the main character of Dune, who is like a teenager, his name is Paul, and I read that not too long ago. So mm, true. I don't know. I don't know. Mm. Anyway, um, it says so. Uh, Jacob and Paul live in a city. They don't have um, uh, Paul's mom and Jacob's wife Susan died about three years ago, um, <clears throat> and they live in the city wherein uh, Jacob, the father, sees a deer in the middle of the street that sort of like bows its head and sort of gives a challenge or something and um it sort of like shakes him on some deep level um then we we cut to another scene uh sometime in the future uh, this time from paul's perspective um that they've moved they moved into like uh the country and paul's really really does not like it that his father had like a religious experience and kind of for no reason paul feels like um, has moved him out into the wilderness where he's bullied for um, being queer um, or at the very least for appearing queer because, you know, that's how that's how schools work. Yeah. Um, and in the city, he had more, like, backup, but out here he doesn't. He feels very alone, and he's, he's really upset about it. Uh, but eventually, um, the deer appears again, this time to him, and it bows its head and sort of gives that that challenge. And Paul's a little uh, disturbed by it. But he goes in and he's like, okay, I, I'm going to finish this thing. You know, it appeared before my father and now it's a problem for me. Um, and he gets a gun and he shoots it dead. Um, and we kind of don't see its death. But um, Jacob comes out, sees a deer, and is so upset by this um, that... His son has, like, killed a god um, that he kills himself. Mm-hmm. And finally, the, the school bus shows up, and um, this Paul sort of trance breaks, and he screams, what have I done? Um, because now his father is dead, and he killed this god, Cronus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I honestly really like this story. I like how it's a, a complete story, you know, it takes us to a really nice arc. And I really do enjoy the beginning where it's setting up the mundanity of their current life right right before the, um, the father sees this this god. And I do like this sort of instant jump to this whole in, in entire new life. You know, it, it uh, makes you think that... Whatever the father saw within this deer was definitely that um, religious ex- experience for them. And, you know, this sort of drastic change is um, warranted within this story. Uh, I think that the description is is really strong. Uh, personally, I would have loved to, to see the moment where uh, Paul did shoot this uh, this deer. But I do like how we didn't find out about that till till later. And uh, because of that, we we get a quick sense right right before it does happen that uh, everything is gonna fall uh, apart. So yeah, really great tension with the story throughout. I really liked it. Yeah, um, for uh, one one tiny little thing, um, when people are hunting, they don't aim at the the head of the deer or of whatever they're shooting at. They they aim at the the chest. Um, to try to kill it instantly through that way because if you shoot an animal in the head, the head kind of explodes and that's kind of gross and mm-hmm. also um, makes a mess. And that's also harder to hit the head. So, um, yeah, people shoot the, the chest most often, but that doesn't matter at all anyway. Um, <laughs> but um, um, I, I would have liked a little bit more understanding of what uh, Sernonis is. Like, um, is it... 
clearly Wes Granter. Yeah, clearly it was some sort of important thing to his father, but I didn't quite understand what I was as confused as as Paul, and I feel like if Paul had suddenly an understanding um of what it was, right? Mm-hmm. That his father was not like scared, but like in love with this deer for whatever reason, right? Or or in, in the same way that, you know, people have love for a god, right? Um mm-hmm. Yeah, sort of an understanding of what that connection is and yeah, why why his father feels so much. So just a little bit more understanding, I think, um would have made this the story really yeah. especially if it's like a like a twist realization, right, for both Paul and for us. Um, I think that would really do it. Mm-hmm. And I think to a certain ex- extent, maybe us being in the dark of like what, what Jacob saw in it was on purpose if we were going to be put in the per- perspective of Paul. And that would give Paul a reason as to why they would kill yeah. this, this deer. Because, you know, like all of Paul's current troubles seem to stem from the father's mm-hmm. de- decision based, based off, off of this deer. So it does make sense. I think to understand Jacob more, yes, it would be nice to at least see why Jacob is uh, following this this deer. Paul doesn't have to understand, but I think yeah, showing Jacob's side would just en- enrich this this story all around and give you know Jacob or give Jacob's suicide more reason to be happening. You know, yeah, I think that part of just like. You know, Paul goes, what have I done? And I wanted to know, like, what has he done? Yes. You know, who who has he killed? And why did that also end in his father's death? Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, what's the next story? Yeah, yeah. So the next story is by Nick Yu with Scorpion. Um, so this is, this is a cool story. We have um, this... Uh, some sort of CEO at the very beginning has just woken up um, and gotten to work. Uh, we then find out that there's like superheroes in this, um, but some of them are on this person's payroll. And we sort of we get pretty quickly the tone that this guy's like, it was clearly some sort of bad guy, or at least he's like sort of imperious and um, feels like he can control everything. And then finally, we see that he does have a superpower that he can like see everything in the entire city of Las Vegas where where he is, um, and uses that to keep tabs on everyone, sort of being like a big brother, watching everyone, including people just like slacking off, uh, which is very micromanagey uh, for someone yeah. of this scale. Uh, but basically, the the government has sent in some superheroes to try to do something about him. But he finds them, and his vigilantes, with overwhelming force, totally, like, destroys them. Um, <laughs> and he's just sort of satisfied about that. And um, finally ending on a note about uh, this couple fighting in a in a expensive hotel room, and he turns on the camera so he can get blackmail from them. And so it's just like, wow, this, this supervillain uh, has absolute control over the city, and it is unfaltering, and there is no real challenge to him and it's kind of dark yeah which i like it you know i i I do like stories about like overly powerful people um but but i do like the moment where we see that this person does have a sort of moral compass when he does a witness i think it was a woman and then ali getting assaulted oh yeah and he called in the vigilantes that were on his um payroll you know sort of showing that even though he is this sort of like super villain um, he still has a heart or, or something like that. Um, but yeah, I think overall, this is just a really cool story that sort of acts to portray this person's power. 
and this person's grasp on on this city. Uh, I I do like the moment on how quickly these these heroes were uh, cut down, and I do like how like it seemed that the heroes even being there didn't hurt his plans what whatsoever. So yeah, I think that this is a really cool uh, super super villain that you did build build up here, and I do in, enjoy that he's not just evil. You know, there seems to be some sort of depth to him even if that wasn't fully explored within the story i do see that uh if you were to continue with this with this character they will they'll work really well within a different setting i think so really great job sure yeah um uh, I, I was thinking that maybe having seeding some sign or a small foreshadowing of like you know maybe this person is overconfident and what sort of thing would be their downfall right mm-hmm. um usually it's some sort of uh, hubris right but just some sort of thing um it, because it's it seems like this situation is, is like really really perfect right mm-hmm. there's almost like no chinks in the armor and i think it's more interesting when we see like a chink even if we don't actually see it carried through but just like um yeah, this person feeling overconfident about um, who is under con- their control and mm-hmm. um, what would be the thing that can- could bring them down. Yeah, I think like with a story and a character like this, the most interesting part would be how how this character went from the dirt to where they are now. You know that that rise to to power um, because once that person is at, at this power. You know, typically there is that sort of stag stagnation. I mean, we even see it within uh, comics. How as soon as a certain villain gets like a super powerful way, they half of the time just just go good because they can, or or something happens to them to knock them off of their pedestal. But definitely making sure that your plots have a some sort of di- some sort of dynamic working either building people up or or tearing people down and that would definitely keep the audience the audience um interested in in your story but good job mm-hmm. uh yeah all right let's get into the next story yep yep so the next one up is by Mora Didamail with an untitled story yeah, although I think uh, the first line can suffice. Congratulations on your purchase of Lawn Goblin version 6.2. Um, and so this has, um, it's basically a instruction manual, manual that yeah. sort of, yeah, uh, show, paints a picture for you and sort of like implies some stories and stuff, which is fun. Um, I really like this sort of kind of storytelling. Um, but it has these uh, six steps on how to activate your Lawn Goblin, uh, which is some sort of robotic or magical or some sort of mix between the two creature um, that will uh, do your gardening for you, but you have to be very careful in a, you know, fairy-esque storytelling style on, um, you know, how you uh, define the area because it's, you know, they're tricksy beings, so they will find workarounds. Um, even although it's, like, unclear if they're actually, like, malicious or if they just, like, don't understand if you don't give them the right rules. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's a that's a fun thing to wonder about. Um, they have, like, uh, true names that they have to be commanded by. You have to very, very precisely um, uh, demarcate the bounds of your property. You have to uh, show it your pets and also babies to make sure <laughs> that they don't get lawn goblined. Um and things like that, uh, which I think is, is, is fun and cool. Um, 
it also will like uh, construct this um, uh, warren for itself to be its home. And I think that's also like an interesting idea. But uh, then we get into this F- FAQ um, that adds just a little bit more. It basically, uh, it finally ending with these final like asterisks at the end, uh, warning what to do if like a child goes into a charging warren, uh, which is you know what you should do there's contact law enforcement immediately <laughs> and some other things that are you know concerning and add some more world building and stuff so yeah yeah i mean i, I thought that this story was really fun it was, it was pretty funny and and also you know there was this sort of like horror-esque uh part to it you know it reminded me so much of a uh, gremlins you know so much you know don't don't feed it after uh after midnight you know just this creature that probably does serve some some sort of use coming with a list of rules that you need to follow in in order for them not to kill you in your sleep. Um, but yeah, I just think that, that this, this is just really fun um, world building. I would love to know like what the practical uses of a lawn goblin would be because it does seem like there are a lot of negatives. You know, what are the <laughs> what are the positives here? I mean, I well, guess the just like is as that guards. you don't gotta mow the lawn. I would definitely, I would definitely use the lawn goblin if it wasn't totally unethical to take True. care of my lawn. Because fuck mowing the lawn, I fucking mm-hmm. hate that. But no. you, but you can't have any lawn gnomes because they will go at war. That's um, true. Yeah. I wonder if like uh, homeowner associations have to like make an agreement of like only lawn gnomes or only lawn goblins allowed or else. Oh yeah, um, you you can only be one or or the other. There's no crossing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I also like the almost implication. There's a line here about how um, if you have more than one lawn goblin, they'll start doing some strange behaviors, uh, which are totally normal. And I was like, oh, they're having sex. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then it went on to explain, oh, no, they'll be like tinkering devices and stuff. And I thought that was like a fun little uh, you get your mind out of the gutter kind of part, which I thought was a little, little funny thing. Yeah. But yeah, no, really, really great uh, world world building here. I would love to uh, see what happens when the law when these long goblins attack. <laughs> sure, uh, yeah, it's 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 fun. Um, uh-huh. I don't know how deep to get into themes. I think it's you know there's some things there about how uh, like how ethical these things are, and they sort of like are grown in this simulated environment, and and how that like affects. Um, how their brain works and and how like also people would uh instead of just mowing the lawn something that they really shouldn't have to do in the in the first place um because it's uh, something that we've put upon ourselves uh they'll hire these slave creatures basically and then like well that's a bit dark so <laughs> I, I i like it as a reflection um i mean they're basically like lawn roombas except worse so just a bit worse. <laughs> I think they also do make lawn Roombas, which seems like a terrible idea, considering, you know, the blades and all. Yeah, like like if that somehow rolls up on your foot, you're done. You're done for. <laughs> but all right, thank you very much to Maura Dinamail. And our final story for this week is by our new writer, yay, uh, named, uh, named Yeshuron. And the title of this story is I Overthink, Therefore I Am. Um, yeah, so this is a cool story. Um, it's mostly, like, some abstract wondering that I like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it gets, I think, a little bit meta, but I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> um, with uh, this person 
thinking about how that they have a lot of depth, uh, but it's not always a good thing. And someone uh, says it says that they have depth as like a compliment, and they're sort of responding to that that it's like a liability, but uh, turning liabilities into blessings is um, part of uh, the best part of life and stuff. And so then we sort of get into this sort of uh, thought loop of the the main character where they, instead of thinking about the problem and actually solving the problem they have to do, they're sort of thinking about how they're thinking about the problem, right? Mm -hmm. And that sends them into some loops and it's hard for them to act and they want to be more in the moment, but it's when they try to think about the moment, they're ironically not in the moment, right? Um, And so then we finally get sort of an understanding of what's going on at this moment, which is that um, they've got three minutes to save the world uh, and they save themselves and to write themselves out of the story. So I think that might be some some meta thing. I, I don't know if... I feel like uh, Yashirin probably didn't have exactly three minutes left at that point because they wrote another like three paragraphs, which I yeah. think would be very fast for three minutes. I congrats if that, if you did. Um, but they're sort of frozen with this uh, thoughts looping around and things like that. Um, but at the very end, sort of, they think uh, one day you realize that you actually want life to happen through you. You are the cause and you are the creator and you are the definition of life, not observing life and trying to define it on your terms. Basically saying that just writing this is a good start. Um, you've done enough of putting into action. Um, but yeah, I, I really do like the, this story. Um, I like how much time it's been thinking about thought. It feels a lot like a dog chasing its own tail, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I really do like this sort of like abstract de- description, trying to branch this sort of physical view at thought. And yeah, I just... I really like what this story is trying to do, you know, and, and what the story is doing. Um, yeah, I think that, honestly, for me, the only thing is, you know, having those sort of concrete moments. Like, how is this character saving the world? Or, like, why? Or, like, the, the cause of, of things could could be added to, to the story to really um, take it to the next level. Uh, but, as is, I think that this does have really strong prose that uh, is very pointed. It knows exactly where it's trying to go. Um, so yeah, I think that this story is a really great start to something else, something larger that would be really enjoyable to uh, read. So thank you very much for submitting your first story. Yeah, we really appreciate you uh, joining the podcast and and, and joining us. Um, I I think definitely when I started writing, this was a good way to get myself going, which is uh-huh. just to sort of write about writer's block. I, I think this is sort of a metaphor for that. Um, and I think, yeah, that's a great way to get going. Um, and then maybe next time you can um, either get into like a more material story with uh, senses and like a character and a place and time and everything. Uh, but even if you can't that next time, you can do another wondering like this, but get a little bit more into uh, a present and time, right? Uh-huh. Um, and I think that's uh, a good way to to get into it. Like if the only thing on your mind is how you can't write, sometimes writing about how you can't write is a way to get yourself writing, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Reverse um, psychology. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, that's all I have. So um, thank you to all these uh, wonderful writers. 
Thank you to Matt Said Words. Thank you, Nick, to you. Thank you, Ghost Pac-Man 4. Thank you, more Didamail. Thank you, Yeshirun. And we would also like to say thank you to everyone who did leave comments. Leaving comments, not only under your own story, but under someone else's story, can compile all of your ideas so that the world can see, but you're also providing someone else with great feedback that can only improve them as, as a writer. So... Thank you very much to Nick to you and Matt Set Words. Thank you so much for, for leaving comments not only under your own story, but under someone else's. Uh, that's right. If you want to be like all these wonderful writers and submit your story to do the right thing, all you have to do is go to uh, slash r slash do the right thing on Reddit and uh, sit down for 30 minutes and use three of four randomly generated words announced at the end of the podcast. Mm-hmm. And if you would like to support us and everything else happening on Doof Media, you can do that by donating to the Doof Media Patreon. All, all you have to do is donate $5 or more per month to uh, be able to vote in all things upcoming in Doof. And also, if you donate $10 or more per month, you get access to exclusive bonus content. If you want to see the words as soon as they come out, the best place to do that would be on Twitter uh, by following us at RightThingCast. Cool, cool, cool. So, Alexandra, what's happening in Doof right now? Uh, there's so much going on in Doof right now. Um, I do want to mention again that the Do the King Thing contest is still going on. Um, it finishes on the 15th of July, so in, what, uh, eight, eight days after this episode comes out? I don't know, math. Sure. Um, anyway, uh, so you have, a, you have about a week left. If you haven't already, um, I know that uh, Matt said words was writing their story sort of within that theme of writing a Stephen King esque story, and I hope you submitted Matt said words. I think it's definitely um, worth submitting, especially if you give it some edits um, that uh, give some more like of that twistiness of um, why this this deer doesn't appear to be a good thing, but actually is. Um, but if you uh, haven't written the story for Do the King thing, uh, consider doing so. Same thing as Do the Right Thing. There is a cash prize. Uh, it's voted on by the community. Uh, and if you're a patron, consider going in and reading those and, and voting on it when the voting starts in um, starting on the 16th. So, or the 15th, sorry. 16th might be when voting starts. I don't know when the voting starts, but point is, uh, <laughs> submissions are closed on the 15th. Um, and of course, there's so much else uh, going on all the time. We just did a, a game club and a book club uh, just this last uh, weekend. Um, the book was Foucault's Pendulum, which I understand is very complicated. So I'm glad to be able to um, uh, watch some of that uh, book club without actually knowing what's going on, because I don't know if I want to read a whole long thing like that. Um, and finally, um, the Doom um game club happened so that is really exciting it's totally fine to watch because like who gives a shit about doom spoilers right uh, so hey uh, there's plot okay i don't think the plot is what matters so if you haven't watched is, that music is what matters that is very true and the blasting of the guns yeah. so go uh go watch the game club on that the one for this month is uh into the breach which is a really cool indie game um by the creators of ftl it's very tight it's, it's uh it's a great game i really enjoy it so um, y'all go do that. Hey, uh, just a little uh, addendum here um, because we forgot to talk about it on the actual podcast. So next, um, in the normal recording, so next month um, 
it's no longer June, right? It's July. So uh, now's the time uh, for a new theme. Uh, so last month was villains. And this month, um, we've decided to focus on punctuation. Um, I realize that's maybe not as like a uh, thematic and topic as villains, but I think it's even more exciting as a writing prompt sort of challenge. So basically, um, we want y'all to experiment with punctuation because punctuation is an integral part of how we communicate. It's actually one of the few ways that we actually communicate like non-verbal, um, you know, tones and, and information that normally when we, we speak a lot more information, uh, comes across in like just bare letters on the text, right? So punctuation is not just periods and commas, um, but it's basically any non-letter mark, um, that is used in writing. So yes, you have your commas, which are these sort of pauses. You have like periods and colons and semicolons and exclamation points and question marks, but you also have, um, parentheses, for example, you have, um, bullet points are punctuation. Um, someone in the discord was talking about how, uh, line, they wanted to try out stuff with line breaks. And I, I absolutely recommend that. Um, and look at how uh, poetry, for example, uses line breaks and stuff. So basically throughout this month, and we'll, we'll get more into it um, in uh, the later episodes this month, um, consider just experimenting with poetry, you know, try using um, some punctuation you've never used before. You know, I, I'm not that familiar with, um, I wasn't that familiar with like the differences between between colons and semicolons, and it wasn't until I practiced with them that I figured out how to how to use them. And while I think we might have like a perspective of like, oh, these are just like fancy things that we don't have to use or something, they're a pretty great tool. And the thing is, like when you talk, you do kind of use them. If someone were to transcribe your speaking style, they would probably use it. Um, anyway, the point is. Uh, experiment, try writing a story without any punctuation, try only using a certain kind of punctuation, whatever you want. Um, and I'm excited to see what y'all do with the, with the theme. Well, all right. I think it's high time to get into next week's words. So the words for next week are cultural, listen, maze, and poem. Um, which maze is that? Maze. It's, it's, um, the one where you have to go in one way and like get to the okay. center. All the so time. M A Z E. Yeah, not the maze, like the plant. So this this is a cool set of words. I actually like this. There's a uh, clearly like a a connection between some of them. So mm-hmm. cultural, as in something pertaining to culture, which is a very vague word, but basically pertaining to the behaviors of an entire community and, and the it customs. Can be food, and it can be hair. Mm-hmm. It can be style. It can be. Music. What are the things that that define a yeah the a community? Um, and of course, don't forget that there's communities in every single. Um, aspect of humanity. There's online communities, online culture. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's culture of, of, of in schools, right? Yeah, there's um, work culture. Exactly. Um, which is what a what a horrible thing to say. Anyway, so <laughs> there's a lot of things you can do with cultural. Uh, listen, which is to pay attention to the sounds that are being made by something. Wow, great. Um, and uh, rolling with that, there is, uh, the next is maze, which is a complicated um, path that is kind of hard to get out. A labyrinth. And poem. Um, poems are kind of hard to, de- to describe, but poetry is basically uh, just defined as not prose. It's language that is uh, maybe a little bit more confusing, maybe 
um, a little harder to understand, but also has more true meaning. Definitely yeah, more abstract, abstract um, using more figurative language. Um, if the audio is weird, it's because I had to move recording to my car and now it's raining, so sorry about that. Uh, but we'll just finish up this episode real quick. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, my story for next week is going to involve a huge maze, a labyrinth, that covers the entire Earth. And you see each, each section of people have their own little hub within this maze. Now to, tra- now to traverse this maze is very difficult, so most people stick to their own little hub. And within the, these hubs, they've created their own cultures, very separate uh, cultures. Um, all until one night, when every ear looked up and listened to how the maze would shift overnight, making paths from one group to another even more easily to, to see, but not as easy to traverse. Uh, until one of, one of these cultures, the one that's closest to the center, decided to start sending off letters to other rival cultures, uh, and, and they would call them poems, until there was this whole network of a poem going here to there, all, all until they, they finally thought, maybe together we can escape this maze. Wow, beautiful. Thank a you. little confusing, yeah, but beautiful. Yeah, it's very um, Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to write about, um, so there was this, uh, this, uh, poetry slam, right? Uh, sort of a, you know, just a general cultural event put on, um, by the king, um, to who's putting on, yeah, this poetry slam. Um, and, uh, so it actually takes place at the center of a maze, right? Um, so it's kind of hard to get there, and if you get lost, you can starve and die, which is a bummer, is a bummer, trust me, but if you just follow the sound of, um, these poems, you know, wafting through the air, sort of like how, uh, the smell of food can waft through the air, except it's poetry, you know, like, and then you sort of, like, float along it, like in the cartoons, you know, um, and you float along it, following this culture smell, you get to the center of the maze, uh, to see this cultural event, and you can listen in as the Minotaur, because it's because we're because we're on the island of Crete, and it's the <laughs> and it's the king. Plot twist: uh, the king Minos and uh, the Minotaur is uh, is telling some poems, and it's it's really good. Well, actually, he's not very good at it, but it's clearly heartfelt, and it mostly has to do with being a cowman, which is an interesting perspective. So, um, we can understand, sort of, neat is what you would say after listening to the Minotaur. Yeah, I can really see the um, aesthetic choices here. Uh, I'm getting a hint of maybe structuralism mixed with a postmodern flair. Um, yeah, uh, if you uh, you can't tell because I just read it out loud, but there was um, line breaks uh, after every couple words. Really, so, really, uh, it's poetry. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. it was poetry. Mm, then, then if you're thinking of it like that, then this this definitely had a really strong rhyming scheme there. I think it was like A B A C maybe. Yeah, A C D C. A C D C. Yeah. And uh, paying attention to the poet um, uh, is uh, do the right, right thing. thing. So right, right. Th- the right thing, to- and it's raining, and it, the rain keeps getting in my eye. So I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna, hey, I'm gonna stop. All right. <laughs>